We are in the middle of a sermon series this month called, Where Am I? And the whole purpose of this sermon series is to really get you to think about where you are right now and to prayerfully consider if this is where God wants you to be. And then maybe even see some steps that you could possibly take to go even further than where you are right now. So I want you to, to really think this through, but do you understand that God has a very well thought out plan for your life? Now, usually when we say that, it kind of takes on this Christianese flair. Like, yeah, 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 God has some things he wants me to do. No, I need you to understand, God has a holistic plan for your life. And it's not just I want you to do a few things. It's I've got a plan for your health. I've got a plan for your marriage. I've got a plan for you vocationally. I've got a plan for your finances. I've got a plan for every aspect of your life. I don't just have some things I want you to do. Come on, we got to get past that mentality where it's like God's only into us for what we can do for him. Because the reality is you didn't have to do jack and he still sent his son to die on the cross for you. Not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, and not because you were doing something wonderful for him. Most of us, as a matter of fact, myself included, rejected him at some point. But God has a plan for your life, not based off of what you can do, like, yeah, he's, he's got some stuff for me to do. He's got a plan for every part, a holistic plan for you as a man, for you as a woman, for you guys as a, a couple and a family. He's got a plan for every aspect of your life. He's got a plan for your grandchildren. He's got a plan for your immediate children and your surrounding family. He's got a plan that touches every part of your world. Amen? And it's not just a small plan. It's a good plan because he's good. And I'm telling you, it's a good plan that he has for you, and it's not age-specific. You know, God still has a plan if you're in your 80s, just as much as he has a plan for you if you're a teenager. He's got a plan for every part of your life. And again, the whole point of this message is to kind of evaluate, where am I at right now? Where am I? And is this where God wants me to be? Or is it possible that there are some next steps that God wants us to take? So uh, I want you to look up at the screen. We, this is what we're referring to as a giving ladder. God has a plan for your finances. And in this giving ladder, at some point, we're going to find you at some step up here on this ladder. God has a plan for you financially as well. And here's what I love, because uh, let's, let's just go to the first step, and I want to do just a, a little bit of recap. In this step one, th this is basically us on the floor. Maybe we've never given at all. We haven't given here. And here's what I love about this one. I love to really talk about the elephant in the room. And I can't stand elephants in the room. I would much rather just face it. I grew up, and I was the kind of kid that, again, just give me a whipping and get it over with. Like, the whole grounding thing is just, like, lame. Come on, let, let's just deal with it and, and get it over. Okay? So, here's the thing. Here, here's the elephant in the room Anytime you talk about finances, oh, there, there they go. The church just wants my money. How many of you have heard that statement? 
How, now, wait, wait, wait. how many of you at some point have actually felt that way? Amen. But it's an elephant in the room that I love to talk about because the reality is this. God's not after your money. God's after your heart. And the reality is, the scripture tells us this, where our treasure is. Matthew says this, where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. So I, I bank with Bank of America. And we go paperless. And so once a month, I get this email that says, here's your bank statement. And when I look through that bank statement, here's the reality. It will always tell me where my heart is at based off of what I just spent that month. And it will for you too. Again, you let me look at your finances for one month, and I'll tell you exactly what's priority in your life. Amen? Because where our treasure is, there our heart is. And see, the enemy loves to push his own narrative to you. That's why I love to talk about the elephant in the room. Look at John 10.10 for me. And I don't know if you've ever read out of this translation, but it's called the Passion Translation. You can go to Bible Gateway and you can look it up. But I like this translation. And here's the Passion version of John 10.10. You can see it up on the screen. It says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. Let's pause there for a minute. This is his narrative. That's why he pushes it to the people sitting in the church that have yet to take this first step. Oh, they just want your money. Why? Because that's his narrative. He's the one that wants to steal. And the last thing he wants is for you to receive anything because he's a thief. So he's constantly pushing that narrative. Oh, there they go again. Always talking about money. I tell people this constantly. If you really want to see change in your life, give me a year sitting right here. If you really want change in your life, give me a year. And the reality is, first and foremost, you'll see that that's not all we talk about. But can we all agree money is an integral part of our lives? We use it every day. How many of you plan on probably buying lunch? today. You liars, come on. Most of you guys are going to stop by Publix or swing into somewhere or go out to eat. Come on. How many of you seriously will probably go out somewhere and get something? What are you going to use, your good looks? <laughs> Judging by the look of this crowd, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You guys would get a lot, I'm sure. Listen, we use money constantly. Jesus talked about it more in the Gospels, more than heaven and hell combined. Why? Because it's an everyday part of our life. How many of you at some point tomorrow will probably buy a soda? It's an intricate part of our lives. And he's always pushing a narrative that the church only wants your money. No, that's not true. God's after your heart. And when you're willing to surrender your treasure, that means God's got full access to your heart. So the first step on the ladder is a step of, I'm going to give for the first time. And it's a really important step, and it's a real step of faith. Again, I remember when my wife told me after we got married we were going to give, and I was like, no, we're not. You're nuts. Can I be just really transparent? Is that okay? 
I was like, babe, we don't even have a pot to pee in. What do you mean we're going to give? And you know what? It took a step of faith to take a step. And so then we go to number two, the second step on the slide. And now that is I've progressed. I've given for the first time. And, and now I'm starting to give a little bit more. But it's inconsistent. So I, I've already taken this step. But now I take another. And he, here's the beautiful part about this. How many of you really are concerned right now because of how wobbly this ladder is? <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better. I just want to encourage you today. But can I tell you this? With every step that you take, it will feel a little bit more unstable. Because everything in our life has taught us to hoard and save. When I would go to my grandmother's house, I would open up one of her drawers, and the whole drawer would be full of bread wrappers and bread ties. Now, again, my grandmother grew up in the Depression time. So the reality was, I'm like, Grandma, what, what do you have 100 bread wrappers in here for? Son, you just never know. I was like, Grandma, you've got 100 Walmart sacks under your sink. What do you need those and bread wrappers for? And really, what do you need the bread ties for? What are you ever going to use those again for? But the reality is everything in our life teaches us to hang on. Society teaches us, hold on to everything you've got. Because you just, ne- son, you just never know. So when God then starts knocking on the door of our heart and says, hey, I, I would like you to take another step. It can feel a little bit unstable. And it can feel a little uncertain because it goes contrary to our thinking. So we've, we've taken a step. And, and in step number two, this is what we talked about last week. And in step number two, we used the story. And I love the story about how Jesus was in the room. He's, he's ministering and doing his thing. The place is packed. And you got the four guys bringing the sick guy on the mat. You guys familiar with that story somewhat? Can I tell you this? You need four crazy friends in your life. You need at least four crazy ones that are willing to do something out of the box and stretch you beyond where you're at. So here's the thing. The house is packed, and Jesus is preaching up a storm, and and the the aisles are filled, and the chairs are filled, and there's standing room, and the, the doorways are all clogged up, and these guys are hauling this person because they believe that their giving is going to make a way for this guy. They weren't getting anything out of the deal other than seeing their friend healed. And it says they climbed up on the roof. Now, I just got to go to Israel in January, and the reality is there's a good chance it was a clay tile roof. But listen, I've seen some of those old school roofs. And I would shudder to think of it supporting the weight of five individuals. I I imagine it in my mind like with every step, you hear like this crackling and crumbling. And like if you're on the inside with every step, you see like the fragments and the dust falling from the ceiling. That's my Hollywood version. And and they're walking, carrying this guy, and the roof's got to support five people worth of weight. And let me tell you, I, I think it was the grace of God they all didn't fall in. But they pull up a chunk of the roof, 
whoever the homeowner was, I'm sure he wasn't all that excited about that part. And they lower this guy down. Jesus looks at their faith and their willingness not to be discouraged by the fact that there wasn't a way before. And Jesus does something crazy. He deals with the man's heart before he deals with his physical issue. Why? Because Jesus will always deal with your heart first before he takes care of a natural need. Come on, listen to me. That's why where your treasure is, your heart is, and God wants to deal with your heart before he deals with your finances. He wants to deal with your heart before he deals with your health. Otherwise, we tend to dive back in headfirst to the same hole we just got pulled out of. Are you with me? But on this second step, man, this is the beginning point of breakthrough. I mean, you're right there. Right there. You're at the beginning part of the race. You're at your point of breakthrough. Listen, financially, maybe things have been clogged up for you. And you're not really sure why. But don't give up just because the doors are a little bit blocked up. And don't give up just because it doesn't seem like there's a way. Your giving can make a way where it doesn't seem like there was one before. But let me tell you this. Jesus does not want us constantly climbing on the roof to try to gain access to him. He wants us to walk through the front door. Now listen, there may be those times where, listen, things are clogged up and I got to do something crazy here. So if I got to climb on the roof to gain access, I will. But that's not the normal mode of access that Jesus wants you to enter by. And so now we get to step number three. And step three is this. It's now I'm intentional. So in step three, you have begun to settle things in your heart and you begin to trust that God's will and plan for me financially is better than my plan. And you have begun to make some heartfelt decisions that I want to do it God's way, not just my way. And inside of this, this step is a crucial step for God's blessing to rest on your finances. Now, I will say this. You've settled things in your heart on this step. So now I'm at step three. It's a little unstable. Miguel, if you would, sir. Now, here's the reality. The higher you get, the more it's important that you have people around you that can not just stand with you, but they can hold you steady when it things like seems or things are shaken. Listen, it's not by accident that I chose this ladder. But you know what? I need some people around me that when it seems like things just aren't working, that they're there to hold me steady and help me not to give up. Just because it seems a little rocky doesn't mean you're on the wrong path. But you're at a spot here. Now listen to me, because this is a beautiful part. The higher you climb, the more now you're getting God's perspective on how he looks at finances. And you're getting out of the weeds, and you're getting his viewpoint on things. Can I tell you, God has a very elevated view. 
And a lot of times when we're on ground zero and we're at ground level, we have a hard time with it because we have a hard time seeing the forest through the trees. Especially if we're battling financially. And so I've got to elevate. And again, don't forget the whole purpose of this whole sermon series, and I promise we'll find you at some point, but the whole purpose is, where am I right now? So I can self-assess where I'm at on this ladder, and I can begin to engage in conversation with God to say, are you happy with me at this step, or is it possible you're desiring for me to step a little higher than what I did before? Amen? Amen? So again, you, you kind of set it in your heart, but I, I want to read the, the last part of John 10 for you because we stopped at the agenda of the enemy, but look at God's agenda in your life. But I, Jesus, have come to give you everything in abundance. Can I tell you, we don't serve a stingy God, and God doesn't punish you by withholding. Amen? Amen? Can we all say this? We've made some stupid decisions financially that have cost us. But God doesn't withhold and punish you. That's not how he works. But I have come to give you everything in abundance. Look at this next line. I love it. More than you expected. More than what you expect. More than what you thought. And what you thought was you giving away was really you making a way for God to give you back more than you expected. Because God never replaces what you give. He always increases what you give. So when you're on this step, this is a crucial step for now stepping into the abundance that God wants. But on this third step, if we can go back to it, this third step, I'm giving constantly and consistently now, but I'm giving less than my tithe. Can I tell you, I personally have been on every one of these steps. I think that's why I love this message, because I've walked this ladder a couple of times, probably. But here's what I want you to know about this step. This is now starting to tilt into a budget issue. I, I do want to give, but I'm giving less than 10%. And here's the reality. If that is your scenario, then what it tells me is this. There are other things in your Bank of America statement that are taking a higher priority than what he is. And so now we're dealing with a budget issue because if I want to climb higher, there's some natural things that have to adjust in my life. Come on, are you guys listening to me? This doesn't happen by want to an accident. It happens because I've intentionally in my heart said, this is more important than Wawa is. And this is more important than Target is. And this is more important than the mall is. So I'm going to make this a financial priority in my life. And I begin to change my budget to reflect what my heart feels. Because on this third step, I've begun to really come to grips with, I want God's plan for me financially. But now that might mean I have to make some adjustments in how I spend naturally. Amen. How many of you, maybe let's just say once, twice, three times, will eat out during your work lunch during the week? I've got like five honest people. Well, here's the reality. 
Maybe it might mean I need to take a sack lunch if that's what it takes to make him the number one priority in my heart. Maybe it means I have to make some adjustments. And can I tell you this? Dan, if you wouldn't mind to stand up. Anton, if you wouldn't mind to, to stand up. I mean, we've got, Patricia, if you wouldn't mind to stand up. We've, we've got life groups that deal specifically with budgeting and how to handle your money better than what you're doing it. Because I don't know about you, but I didn't get taught how to be very financially responsible. Sorry, Mom. I know you're here on the front row. So that's why we're intentional about it. We want to put people in front of you that can help you to be a better manager of what your finances look like than maybe what they are right now. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. But they all, they all lead life groups that we would love for you to plug into that will teach you on your journey how to elevate past where you're at. Amen? And it is the reality that now that I'm on this step, I'm on step number three, the reality is this. I need a little bit of help to maintain where I'm at. Because most of the time I can't stay here without a little bit of help. Come on, are you listening to me? So this brings us to step four. Yes. Ta-da. They said they were going to put like a glass of water underneath. So step four, step four, hold, because I got to look. Okay, so now I am faithfully, oh my gosh, I thought it was going down right there. You got me? Okay, good. The good part is none of you are asleep right now. That's the good part. I'm just going to step down, I think. <laughs> Sorry. Somebody said like a piece of wood fell out, and I was like, okay, a little uneasy. I told my son, though, if I fall on this thing, make sure that the footage gets sent into ridiculousness so I get on TV. <laughs> All right, step four. This is really important, guys, because step four, you are literally stepping into the treasury of God. You know, if God had his own bank, which scripturally I can kind of show you that he does. You are beginning on step four to step into God's treasury. And so now on step four, I'm faithfully giving my 10%. And we have on there to the life church. And let me show you why. Malachi 3.10. I'll show this to you. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It says this. Bring all the tithes, all of it. Again, step three, I know it's not up there, but step three is I'm giving, but I'm just not giving all of the tithe. So step four now, bring all the tithe, the tenth, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing until there is no more room to receive it. Now leave that up there for just a second, because a couple of things, bring all the tithe, not part of it, not half of it, not three quarters of it, bring it all and give it and see, test me in this. Can I tell you everywhere else in the scriptures that somebody tested God, it did not go well for them at all. Not at all. 
And as a matter of fact, Jesus is in the wilderness. Satan takes him up to the temple mount and says, throw yourself down. Because Psalms 91 says that he'll give his angels charge over you and you won't even dash your foot against a stone. So throw yourself off. You're good. And here was Jesus' response. Don't test the Lord your God. But in this passage, it's the only place where God says, test me. Go ahead. Go ahead. See. See if I won't open up the sliding glass window of my teller station out of my treasury and give you back way more than what you ever gave. Test me in this. Prove it. My, my boys went through this stage of, of life for a while as teenagers where they'd be like, you, you left your light on in the bedroom. Oh, yeah, prove it. I know it sounds way di- more disrespectful, but it was kind of a joke. Hey, uh, Chase hit me. Oh, yeah, prove it. But you know what? God's actually saying the same thing to us. Take another step and test me and see if I won't pour out from the treasury. I mean, was that not the purpose of, of the teller windows? before they started shutting them all down. But wasn't that the purpose? So that I can make a deposit and they could give me something back. Prove me. Test me in this. That I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. That means this. You've got too small of a container. See if I won't overflow it. Test me in this. That I won't open up the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing. And so in this, you've got to understand that God has a plan for you financially that goes so much further than our giving. It tilts into the reality that God wants to give you more so that you can be a blessing, not just yourself, but to everyone around you. See, this is where you have to understand that when I start climbing, I start to see things the way God sees things, not just the way I see them. I had to just one more time. I'm so glad my wife isn't here, by the way. But the reality is this. I got to have God's perspective because God just doesn't want to bless you to say that you're blessed. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to everybody else around you. But listen, when I am so consumed with my own bills and my own crap and my stuff that's going on, I have a hard time seeing that because I haven't climbed high enough. I'm too concerned with my own world. And so I struggle. I, I can barely take care of my own needs, let alone think about meeting someone else's. But listen, the higher you climb, the more of God's perspective you have. And don't forget, the purpose of this message is to self-assess. Where am I right now? Where am I at? And then to have a conversation to say, are you happy with me where I am? Can I tell you this? For the most part, we have an amazingly giving church. But I know this. We've got a lot of new faces. And we just don't want to take for granted that everybody understands God's plan for their life financially. And I can assure you, give me a year. Don't just show up one time and be like, uh, again, Satan's narrative. Oh, there they go, talking about money again. The reality is God wants your heart. 
And he says, bring it to the storehouse. So here's reality. Where do you get fed the most? Because wherever that is, that's your storehouse. So if the life church is your home church, and this is where you go, then you should be giving. And listen, we're just pipe for God to get what he needs to you. So the storehouse would speak specifically of the tabernacle or the temple, which would employ the Levites, which would supply everything needed for the temple and benevolence to give. And he says, bring it to the storehouse. Where do you feed from the most? If the life church is not where you feed from the most, that's not where your tithes should go. Your tithes should go where you feed from the most. Amen? And listen, there's a whole nother step for us to get to, which is going to speak to a lot of you in here. But it is the reality that our tithe belongs to him. And we're just returning to our king what's already his. Amen? Now, let me, let me just show you this real quick, and I'm going to end. Can I get 10 dudes real quick? I just need 10 volunteers to come up here, just real quick. 10 guys, right up here on stage. Hop on up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Shoulder to shoulder, face in the crowd. I need 10. 10 total. Keep it coming, keep it coming, keep sliding. Beautiful. Two, four, six, eight, nine, and 10. Beautiful. So let's pretend like this is $10,000 represented. This is your bi-weekly paycheck. So what's 10% of that? For all you math majors, this is not hard. $1,000, right? Okay. So can I ask you a quick question? How many of you just recently have bought a car in the past couple of years or a house or filled out a a lease agreement for a house? Just raise your hand on any of those. At some point, I'm sure I could touch on something. But on any of those agreements, when they ask you to list your income, do they ask you to list, list your gross or your net? Why don't you put your net down? Well, it doesn't show as much, right? And I want to make sure they know what I'd be making. But here's the reality. It always seems to be an argument in the body of Christ. Do I give off of my net or off of my gross? Why is it that we can give Nissan our gross, but we have a hard time giving God our gross? We don't mind giving Lennar our gross, but we have a hard time giving God our gross. Here's why. Again, let's talk about the elephant in the room. I got like 30 seconds. The elephant in the room is I don't want to give as much. That's the elephant in the room. But the reality is God says bring all of it. And here's what I want to show you. And I I pray that this sinks whole. I saw this as a person on the first step and this ministered to my heart. But here's the reality. Let's just pretend like, again, this, this is our stuff. And, and I take care of my house payment. And I take care of my, uh, my car payment and my insurance and my gas and my boat because I really love we're in Florida. I mean, and then we take care of, you know, some uh, Internet and some dish, not, not dish, but direct TV. And we have our cell phone bill. And, and then we get down 
It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll give God what's his. Here's the problem. You have given away your ability for God to bless the whole because you gave him the last bit of what you had. But if, again, I trust God's plan, and it's a good plan, then the very first thought is I'm going to give God the first so that now he can bless the rest of what I have. I'm not giving him the scraps at the end. I'm giving him the very beginning, and now look at all that God gets to bless in return, where if you give him the end... This is all he has to work with. See, this is the reality of the fourth step. Now God becomes the priority. God doesn't like to share your heart with anything else. He wants the very first and the very number one spot in your heart. Thank you guys very much. They did a great job, didn't they? Listen, it's so important. Don't wait and give God the scraps. Give him the very first and he'll bless the rest. Now listen, this is why I'm telling you, once you hit step three, it takes an adjustment in how you spend. Don't kid yourself. It doesn't just poof and I just magically have extra. It comes because I made a decision. He gets the first place and everything else becomes secondary, even if it means I have to do without. Amen?